Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hey everyone, welcome. Welcome to episode 30, big episode 30 of the Rise and Run podcast. As always, we're happy to have you with us. Uh, I think we've got, if I, hey gang, if I were to say we have a really big shoe tonight, would that mean anything to anybody out there? And I, I, I'm going to guess that maybe Chris and maybe John and maybe most of our listeners got to Google that one. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about, Bob. <laughs> it's Sullivan. Yeah. 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 But we do, we've got a really special show tonight. Uh, I am here tonight with John. How you doing? Great. John, I'm here with Greg. Hey, hey, hey. And Alicia. Hello. And Lexi. Hello. And Jack is spending some quality family time this evening. I saw a picture she posted on Facebook. Looks like she's having fun with mom and dad. And we have our regular pinch hitter, Allie, with us tonight. Hi, friends. Now, in addition, and we've been talking about this for a while, we've got a special guest with us tonight. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks. Uh, Chris Twiggs is here. Chris is the National Program Director for Galloway Training. He is a 15-time finisher of the Hard Rock 100, and uh, someday, someday Jack's going to do that, Chris. I, I, I almost guarantee it. Brittany, Brittany Charbonneau, probably not. I don't. But and if you listened a couple of weeks ago, you realize that uh, Chris is a perfect Walt Disney World marathoner. Yay! We got what fifty nine of them now in twenty twenty two. Were there, Chris? You know, I, I'm not sure we have a good number because they did offer uh, the last two years. There was a, a, of course, two years ago there was virtual only for the marathon, and last yeah. year there was a virtual option. And we think that for those perfects, uh, they were allowing the virtual to count for okay. them so that they could get up to thirty. So we will get a full count this year. Uh, for the thirtieth, and uh, and we'll see how many of us there are. But it's, ex- it's an exciting group to be a part of. But Chris is uh, the youngest of the remaining perfect marathoners, and I know one of his goals is to be the last man standing, and I think he's got a good shot. In addition, Chris is a rum aficionado. He is not in front of his tiki bar tonight, which somewhat surprises me. And an all-around good guy, and we're just glad to have you with us, Chris. How you doing? Oh, better than I deserve, Bob. Atta thank boy. you so much for uh, <laughs> thank you so much for asking. Nope, I'm uh, I'm sipping on uh, some decaf Nespresso at the moment, and uh, the tiki bar is has been retired for the evening while I uh, I sit and relax with you guys. Oh, uh, wonderful! Yeah, we've been looking forward to this. Now, uh, those of you who are regular listeners know that we talk about the customized training plan every week, and Greg and I, and lately Allie. Uh, talk with Chris almost every Tuesday morning. We really enjoy it. Um, let's start here, Chris. How about, how would you describe the customized training program? What is it and how does it work? So customized training is a way to help people uh, that have whatever running goals they might have of, of all stripes, right? So it, it's everything from the person training for his or her first 5K to people trying to win their age group in Ironman triathlons or run a marathon, do an ultra, or finish a half marathon, all all sorts of things. And this grew out of what Jeff Galloway has been doing since the 70s, which is uh, coaching people one-on-one. Jeff does e-coaching. He coaches people through email. Uh, He wasn't doing that back in the 70s, but he's been coaching individuals since the 70s. And um, as you can imagine, Jeff can't handle the volume that uh, are interested in having that type of coaching. So several years ago, we decided to introduce customized training, which is not, we make it very clear when people, while people do sign up for it on Jeff Galloway's website, we make it very clear you're not being coached by Jeff directly. 
uh, but you're being coached by me. And I use uh, some technology that Jeff doesn't doesn't use that allows me to handle handle a higher volume of folks than um, than he does in e coaching. And uh, it's been absolutely fantastic, and I've been able to work with people all over the world. Uh, this morning, I had uh, Ross, who I know you guys have spoken to. He yep. was on yep. talking to us. It was my morning. It was almost midnight where he yeah. was, uh, but he was on talking about his upcoming. Uh, and I'll, I'll anybody that's friends with him on Facebook may already know this, but I'll I'll spill the beans a little bit here. Ross uh, let me know that he has signed up, and he and Wendy are both going to be coming over to Jeff Galloway's half marathon in March. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So we're really excited to get to am, yeah. see him in person. Um, so I, you know, we had people, we had him in, in, in Australia. We had Michael in, um, in the UK. Mike's in England, right? The US. Yeah. Carl, so I didn't see Carl this morning. Carl's in Finland and he was not there this morning, but you're right. So, um, so it's been a wonderful opportunity to, to get to interact with people on a weekly basis that are all over the world training for all sorts of different things. And it's not, it's more than just they're getting coached by Chris Twiggs. It's, it's that, but it's also, they're part of this community oh, that yes. is there on the zoom calls and it's active in the private Facebook group and that are encouraging each other on Strava. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, thing. And I'm delighted with how it's going and, um, and just really excited that, that, that you guys, so many of you guys have been a part of it. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what customize is. I think that kind of answers yeah. it. So, and it's Gal, it's all Galloway. Um, once in a while, I have somebody that joins and says, well, do I really have to do the walk breaks? Do I really have to do a 26 mile training run if I'm training for a marathon? And what I tell them is, no, you don't have to do a damn thing. Um, you know, you, you do what you want to do, but I'm going to recommend things based on Jeff Galloway's training principles, which are what I have been following since, um, 1995 when I started using Jeff Galloway's method after I ran my first marathon in January of, well, I guess I started following in 94. I ran my first marathon at Disney in January of 1994, didn't take walk breaks, didn't like how I felt and said, there's got to be a better way. And we started using Jeff Galloway's methods from then on. Um, so every recommendation that I give is something that I feel confident w Jeff would give the same recommendation. And I've been working for Jeff uh, for a long, long time now. And I, I feel pretty good that the things I ask folks to do and the things I recommend are right in line with what he would do. Yeah. I stumbled across it back in 2015 and yeah, I don't, I don't recall when I joined customized, it was a couple years later, but everything you said, uh, I, I totally, totally agree with. Uh, we want to talk about Jeff's run. You said that Ross is coming over for Jeff's run. We'll talk about that later on one more time, but one of the things we did, Chris, is we asked our listeners if they had questions for you to post them in Facebook. Now we got a long list of questions here. I don't want to shotgun you with all of them, but let's go with some of the more popular ones. And the first one I'm going to ask you didn't come from anybody specifically because I've probably heard this a half a dozen times now. People have now signed up for their January races. And in some cases, wine and dine which by the way is one of the reasons we ask you to come on now because people are signed up here and I'm not pushing CTP on anybody, but I'm going to tell you those of us do it think it's highly worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. But a question that I've heard a bunch of times is I want to do these runs, but the Galloway training plan that's in the run Disney file doesn't start till late June, early July. What should I be doing now? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a really good question. You know, I think you should be doing what you enjoy doing now. And I'm a runner. I enjoy running. I would, I ran, if you ran during the pandemic when there were no in-person races to do, then you should be running now. Um, so I, I think you should be doing what you enjoy doing. Don't just wait for some, some training schedule to say, well, you should be at this distance by now. You should be out running. And um, you could be doing all sorts of things. If you have a time goal for those races, you could be working on your speed. If you are a slower runner or a newer runner and you know that you're going to be 
running from the balloon ladies at those races. Well, yeah, now's right. a good time to be working on uh, working on a little bit of speed so that you can maybe get some proof of time at a 10K coming up, uh, something like that, so that maybe you don't have to start in the last corral, or at least you can have a, a you know a fighting chance to stay ahead of those folks. Um, so I, I think that's there are lots of things I. I really do think people should strike while the iron is hot, and it's not just because I want to get paid. But if if uh, if people have an interest in training, start training right away, and that doesn't you know hire another coach, hire somebody else. Um, but 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 have a, have somebody that's helping you, have a schedule that you're following, so that you can get yourself into the right uh, physical shape that you want to be in come race day. And the sooner you start. Uh, the the better your chances are to be where you want to be. And I think that what's great about customized training is that I personally have other things going on in my life in the spring and summer. And I came to you, Chris, and you made a schedule for me that worked with my other sports. So even though I love running, there's other things that I do enjoy doing as well. And I don't have to think about how much I'm supposed to be running. I just run whatever's on my schedule and I don't have to think about you know, I told you what my goals are and then you just set the program and I don't have to think about it, which is yeah. just great. And then no, I can, true. I can, I can taper it a little bit so that I can do a little more. I do skating and, and other sports. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, the schedules, the schedules that, that, that we've come up with for the Disney races are fantastic. I mean, they really are incredible and they're, 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 they work for beginners. They work and they, you know, they work for advanced runners. They're fantastic schedules. The problem with a paper schedule is if you have a real life and suddenly you've got a wedding you have to go to in the middle of the summer, or suddenly you have a business trip that you have to take, or there's another race that you want to do, you have to figure out how am I going to work around those things still to fit in the training that I need to do. And it can be very easy to miss a run because life happens and now you're off track and you don't know what to do. So um, that's where customized is, I think is so valuable is being able to go in and make those adjustments for you. And all it takes is a text message from somebody to say, Hey, I can't do the 20 miler this weekend. Can you help me? And, and, you know, hopefully in a few minutes I've gotten back to them and told them how to adjust. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's very customized. You would say. Well, and that actually leads into uh, a, a wonderful segue into one of the questions that we got from our listeners. This actually comes from Ruth and Steve. They talk about having – now, they, they didn't give us specific dates here, but they have uh, a two-week vacation during their dopey training. Uh, I guess one of the vacations is in early October and then early November, and then obviously that's when the mileage is ramping up. So, Chris, obviously, you know, we don't know, you know, their, their particulars of, you know, what races they're doing or whatnot, but what type of advice would you give to someone who's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to be able to hit this long run that weekend. I might be able to get something in, but what would be the best course of action in the event that, okay, I do need to shift things by one week, you know, whether they're going to do customized training or not? So it depends on, um, it depends. There, there are a couple different answers, right? If I know early enough, if, if we know early enough that this change needs to happen and we can get, this is a good, a good reason to start training early. If you can get your mileage up soon enough, once the mileage, even look at the schedule that we have for Dopey. Once the mileage gets up to 20 miles, you don't have a long run every single, well, even when you get up to 10 miles, you don't have a long run every single weekend. So if you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks and you've already gotten your mileage up to 20 miles, you can afford to have just a couple of short runs on, you know, during those weeks, two short runs during the week and then a shorter run on the weekend. You can afford to miss the long runs for a couple or three weeks um, if you time it right. So we could have a 20 miler before you take that trip and a 20 miler when you get back and you get away with a five miler while you're off on vacation or whatever, which hopefully if you're a runner and you're traveling someplace fun, you're going to want to take a little bit of a run wherever you go. So if you know early enough, it's really, it's like, it's like steering a ship, right? If you start steering early enough, you don't have to make big, big changes. Now, when something big happens and you're here in Florida and a tropical storm comes in when you were supposed to run that 20 miler and now it couldn't happen because I lost power and all this kind of stuff, then you have to do other things. There are other things it can do. You can add extra walking to the next long run to help bridge the gap from what you were able to do to what you want to do. There, there are other things that can be done as well. 
Um, so, but the sooner you know that there's a conflict, the easier it is to make an adjustment so that you don't miss out on training. Good. You could be like Lexi when she goes to Paris, she runs a local 10K. Hey, I'm put- golly. I'm so, that was so cool to hear. And my understanding, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but there's video of that somewhere that we could watch, right? Why, yes, there is. Yes, there is, Chris. Lexi, Lex, would you like to tell them where it is? <laughs> yeah, it's on Passport to Run. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check that out. Um, no, that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, Paris is, oh my gosh, Paris is my favorite city to run in. I love, I've, I've been there a few times. I love running in Paris. Um, I'm going to I'm going to Belfast later this summer, and a buddy of mine that I'm going with is a runner. It's actually somebody that I've coached, and he's already got a 20 mile route mapped out for me so that I can do when I'm out there. So um, yeah, running when you go to a new a new place is just such a wonderful way to learn your way around. There was a really fun um, TV series that Michael Palin. Uh, did uh, for um, probably was originally for the BBC, but I think I probably saw it on PBS. And um, where he was, he traveled around the world um, into really small towns and things. And it turns out he's a runner. And I read an article in Runner's World uh, back when he was doing this series, and he would talk. He talked about running in all these small towns, and he got to know know what it was really like in those places because as he came running through, he saw other runners and he saw the people out walking their dogs and sweeping the porches and those sorts of things. I chuckled because it made me recall a friend of mine who was on a business trip in Taipei and took off for a run and got back to the hotel on the back of a police motorcycle because he got so far lost. But at least he knew what hotel he was in and how to tell the officer how to get back. That was cool. Good travel tip. Before you go out on your run in a foreign country, grab a card from the front desk. I saw that. uh, So that, yeah, worst case scenario, you can show it to a cab driver and they can get you back where you belong. (laughs) Going back to the changing your schedule in the middle of dopey or marathon or whatever. um, And I know some of us are super crazy and um, we're doing like one of the majors and... Uh, dopey or some people are doing I I know there's a couple of people who may be doing like London New York and marathon Disney marathon how do you switch around your schedule and know like how not to peak too early but then you know come down to recover enough to do something else that's also big so it's important to know what your a race is it's important to know which one is the one that you really that really matters right um, in, in when you've got dopey on your schedule, that's almost got to be the one that matters, not because you're going to be trying for a time there, but just because you know the demands of that weekend are top notch, right? If you've got to be on your A game in terms of your sleep, in terms of your nutrition, in terms of having enough alarm clock set, all of those <laughs> things. Oh, God, so, now I'm scared. Um, this is our first dopey, me and Greg, I think. Where that's making me nervous. Uh, you'll be fine. That's my first Jesse too. Oh, it's yours too, Lexi. So it's all three of us. All right. There's a podcast I'll tell you guys to listen to that'll really help you prepare for it. Don't worry. Um so <laughs> I, I think the um but the key is if if you know like so if the last race in the series is the most important race, then those other marathons are part of your training. And you have to treat them like that. You have to treat them as catered long runs. Catered training uh, you, runs, yep. Catered training runs, exactly right. And so you you need to uh, go at a slower pace, um, you know, preferably. If you've got the buffer, then run them at two minutes per mile slower than your predicted marathon pace if you've got that buffer. Now, New York City is a great one to do as a, as a catered training run because you can take you can take a long, long, long time to New York City. Um and some other races, not as much. Berlin is not nearly so forgiving. Um, so you've got to be, you know, you, you, you have to push yourself in those. So, um, but the key is, is doing the minimum. And it's just the same thing we tell people with dopey, uh, do your five, walk the 5k. It's not a timed event. Walk it. Um, they'll, they'll keep your time if you're doing dopey, but they're not going to pick you up. And then for the other races, 16 minutes per mile, if you're starting in the very back corral, we'll get you in ahead of the balloon ladies. If you start in the front or at a corral further up, you're, you're golden. 
Um, so you do the minimum speed you can to save your energy for when you're going to need it. And that's true whether you need that energy for next weekend or for two weekends later or for tomorrow. So Chris, one of our listeners, Laura from the Netherlands, she wanted to know how to make the run, walk, run method, um, making her faster than running straight through. She finds that anything less than a half marathon, she is running faster without using the run, walk, run method. So how can she use the run, walk, run method and make her time faster? Well, it's, it's, it's a little hard to answer that question, not knowing what sort of pace she's talking about running. If you're running a 5K in 15 minutes, it's hard to make the argument that you would be going fast or taking walk breaks, right? Um, but if you're, making, if you're running a 5K in 20 minutes, uh, I, I promise you, you could go faster taking walk breaks. Uh, if you're doing a 5K in 18 minutes, I can tell you, you know, throw, give, give, let me have one walk break in that 18 minute 5k and I'll make you faster. So, um, it, it takes, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. It really is. Uh, what I recommend to people that are hesitant to try it is either run a magic mile so that you can get a good predictor of what your pace could be at those shorter distances, or take one of your, uh, take one of your recent race times and, you know, see what that pace is per mile. Look at our chart that's on jeffgalloway.com. We've got a chart that gives you a recommended run-walk ratio for that pace and use the recommended ratio from the beginning of the race uh, to run that average pace. And it really takes trying it to be a believer in it. And it did for me. I, it absolutely did for me. I didn't, I didn't believe this would work. And, um, until I decided to try it in a race and it just so happened the first race I tried it in was a marathon, but I was blown away. I got a PR. It didn't hurt as much. And, uh, and I was sold. So, um, it, it just takes figuring out what the right ratio is. And, and our chart has that. If you are faster than what our chart shows, email Chris at jeffgalloway.com and I'll, I'll give you a, a recommended ratio to try at the pace you're going to go. Laura. Laura probably, uh, Laura just had, gave birth to her first son, oh, six weeks ago. Awesome. So she's just getting back into running. I, I would guess that Laura's about a 35-minute uh, 5K and uh, okay. she's back in condition. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, definitely she could benefit from the walk breaks. So this might go into this question. Do you recommend changing your intervals for different distances? Like for a 5K, do a 44-minute, 30-second, and maybe like for a half, do like a 2.30? Or just try to keep well, the same interval? Yeah, so pace is, the ratio is related to pace. So if, if I'm going to run a 9-minute pace in a 5K, I'm going to do 2-minute run, 30-second walk. If I'm going to run a 9-minute pace in a marathon, I'm going to do 2-minute run, 30-second walk. So it's based on pace. Now, if I'm running a 5K, I'm probably going to run faster than I'm going to run in a marathon if I'm pushing myself in both of those. So the ratio absolutely changes. But the reason the ratio changes isn't related to the distance I'm running. It's related to the pace that I'm going. I, w I wanted to point out when talking about speed in Run, Walk, Run that Chris's wife and son about three weeks ago won the male and female marathon in uh it was down close to me i think wasn't it chris down here hawthorne in, in hawthorne, hawthorne florida. florida so they both yeah, they won did. using uh run walk run intervals yeah i was i can't i can't express how proud i am uh of uh of them my wife has won lots of races she's a fast woman but that was her first marathon she'd ever won and um and my son also uh he he's fast kid he's won a bunch of races but that was the first marathon and his first sub three hour marathon using using walk breaks. Sub three hour run walk run. You'll have to look a long and hard to find a mother and son winning the male and female marathon. I think that's pretty cool too. That leads me into a question that Casey asks: um, If what are some of the signs that your running interval might be too short or too long? So if you're used to running a certain interval how do you know when to change it up or when you should be going longer in your run or shorter in your run? Yeah. Good question. Really good question. I actually did a video on this um, 
where I ran the same pace. I did a, I think it was a five mile, five or a six mile run. And I did the same pace, a consistent pace for all the miles. And I did a different ratio for each mile, trying to show folks what the impact is. So when your ratio is too short, yeah, you're, you're doing um, really short intervals for, for the pace that you're going. Um, it, is, it is very hard to catch your breath during your walk break because you're having to run so fast during that run segment. And, um, and so you can tell when you're really huffing and puffing, you're really working hard and you're not feeling recovered during that walk break. That's a sign that you're not, uh, that your interval is too fast, that you're just, you're forcing yourself to run too fast for that. On the other end of that, if you put too much, too much run between your walk breaks, but you're still running that same pace, you are having to run very slow during that run segment relative to that first time when you're when you're doing a, a fast turnover and often what we do is we throw off our biomechanics to slow ourselves down and uh, and we end up bouncing and if you feel yourself bouncing during a run that's a sign that you're you're holding yourself back there're only two ways to slow yourself down in a run to run slower or to throw in walk breaks and if you're slowing yourself down by running slower, you're risking messing up your biomechanics. So if you play with different ratios at the same overall pace, uh, then what you'll find is there will be a sweet spot that you're not huffing and puffing too much. You're able to recover during the walk break, but you also don't find yourself running during the, uh, don't find yourself bouncing during the run segment. But the, the quick answer is, Start with the ratios that we have on our chart because Jeff Galloway has gotten feedback from hundreds of thousands of runners over the years. And we know that those ratios at those paces work best for most people. And so start with that ratio. Then you can start edging one way or the other to see if a little bit more running is better for you personally or a, a little more frequent walk breaks is ready is better that makes a lot of sense perfect yeah and i can actually speak to this uh so right now on my training plan uh chris has me at a long run pace of 13 minutes per mile and when i did my long run this this past weekend my first mile was in like the 1230. So I knew, okay, I needed, you know, to back off. And, you know, based on the chart on Jeff's website, you know, it says 3030. And, you know, and that's what Chris puts, you know, into my training plan. But, you know, what's awesome about having the gym boss timer, again, not sponsored here. Uh, but if you have that timer, it's so great for you to just be able to change your interval on the fly. Whereas if you're just solely relying on, whether it's your Apple Watch or your Garmin or, or whatever, you know, to change the interval, you'd have to stop your run, restart it all, and then get going. And we're here, you're just a couple buttons pressed, you know, whether you have it on the brim of your hat or actually on your watch band. And I remember I bumped mine down to a 2030 as opposed to a 3030, and I got a lot closer to that 13 minutes. So, um, you know, in, you know, so to answer that question, if you're looking for a tool to help you hit, you know, those paces, you know, in terms of customizing your interval, the gym boss timer is really, really helpful in that. I think what's interesting too, is I think a lot of people think that with run, walk, run to get faster, you just make your running interval longer. And there's a lot of other things that are involved in that. Cause you kind of mentioned that cadences plays a really important role in that. And also not slowing yourself down or holding yourself back is important too, because then you're just bouncing up and down and wasting energy in that. So, I mean, absolutely. And I, I, this morning on the, on the customized call um, that we did, there was somebody that was talking about having a goal of achieving a certain ratio and she's, she's new, she's learning. And um, she, and she was actually saying, I realize that's not what my goal should be. And, um, and it isn't right. I mean, you can have a goal. If your goal is to, is to be able to run a three hour marathon. Awesome. I want to work with you. I want to help you with that. But if your goal is, I want to be able to, uh, change my ratio from 30, 30 to seven minutes, run 10 seconds walk. I'm not sure that's right. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to recommend that for you. So, um, speed you know, the, the ratio has got to be what works best for you at the speed that you're going to go. And, um, and that should be our focus, not on what ratio are we using. 
you know, use the ratio that works for that phase. Right, right. don't, don't aspire to a certain ratio. Awesome. So let me ask you one more question too. Um, so this question comes from me. Um, <laughs> in hill training, I tend to um, also waste a little bit of energy and I slow myself down. Can you talk a little bit about running downhill and, and what mechanics I need to do for that? Because yeah. I tend to slow myself down and then my knees hurt afterwards. <laughs> Of course they do. And your quads, your quads yeah, are really, absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah. Downhill running. So we, we focus a lot on uphill running. We, we, we focus a lot on charging uphills because it builds leg strength. And, um, and there's a saying that, that hill work is actually speed work in disguise. And so if you can't get to a track, you can do hill repeats and it's great. And that's, that's fantastic. That's a cornerstone of, of a lot of training downhill running is not something that we often focus on because honestly you don't need it unless you're going to be doing a downhill race but if you've got a downhill race coming up uh being good being efficient at downhill running is vital and what we find is that a lot of people when they're running downhill they get a little bit scared they're going too fast and they want to slow themselves down and so what they end up doing is they open their stride up they heel strike, they land on their heels, and they end up using their leg as a shock absorber to slow themselves down. Now, I want to I tell you guys, heel striking is not a sin. No one, I don't know who goes to hell, but it's not people that heel strike. And it's not <laughs> for that reason. So there's nothing wrong with, with being a heel striker. But if you are running downhill, heel striking is a very, very bad idea. So what you have to focus on on the downhill running is short stride length. And we talk about short stride length and fast turnover a lot in running. But in downhill, it's all that much more important. You've got to land midfoot. You can't heel strike. You've got to think about um, when I was a kid, I can remember going to the beach and uh, I wouldn't want to mess with flip-flops or shoes or anything, right? I wanted to get out of the car and go across the parking lot and get out to the beach. Well, if it's a hot summer day, especially in Florida, you step out of that car with bare feet on a black top surface parking lot, <laughs> that surface is hot. And so you got to move your feet fast to keep them from burning. So I always think about that when I'm running downhill, like running on a hot surface, really fast turnover, just pop, 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 pop downhill. Um, now, if you do find yourself, if you feel like you're getting out of control, if you feel like you need to um, need to rein yourself in, there are a couple of things you can do. One, you can serpentine. Imagine like you're downhill skiing. Instead of going straight downhill, you can, you can serpentine. And that will slow yourself down a little bit and you can still keep up a good cadence. Um, if that's not working, then you've got to throw in a walk break. And it's you, you kind of hate to do it on a downhill because you're getting a free ride. But if you are engaging those quadriceps because you're heel striking, you're not getting a free ride. You're paying for that down. Yeah. So that's an expensive um, ride. it is an expensive ride. So, um, so what you want to try to do is fast turnover, um, light step, midfoot stride so that you don't engage the quads and you can just enjoy that coast down the hill. Is your weight kind of like back? So you're not falling forward or are you not actually so, like I mean, using that? forward momentum. Yeah. I mean, you're using that forward momentum. Now you can't lean, you don't want to lean over your feet because then you, you know, you stub your toe and you, and you launch yourself into thin air, but, um, but you don't want to sit so back. If you, if you shift your, shift your weight too far back, you're going to heel strike. I think that's what you know, I that's do. Yeah. I think I'm afraid yeah. to fall forward. So I'm just like heel striking and longer strides, all that stuff. So, you know, what you need you to do is you need to put on, <laughs> put on a pair of gloves, um, cause that's gonna, when you do trip and you, and you skid, you don't lose the, the, the skin on your hands. So put on a pair of gloves, um, and, uh, and, and just, just enjoy yourself. Think like you're a kid running downhill. Enjoy it. Um, I have a follow-up hill question. Um, and this is from my mom actually. Okay. Cool. Um, so she just ran her first 10 K race last weekend. Good oh, congratulations, yeah. mom. That's crazy. Yeah, that it is. Exciting. Yeah. And she got third in her age group. Awesome. Um, yep. And uh, I think 15th overall. That's so, pretty cool, actually. That was very cool. She's real fast. Oh, um, that's cool. <laughs> I want to be my, like my mom when I grow up. <laughs> Me too. Um, but she, 
you know, trained for it. She used one of the run keeper programs that they have for the 10 K in the app. And, um, the only thing that she kind of didn't expect in it, she said it threw her off on race day was the last mile. It, it was like at least half a mile uphill. And so her pace was great. And she, she was saying to me, she was like, I got a little frustrated because I was going to get negative splits until I got to that last hill. And so, you know, how, in your opinion, do you, one, train for it? I mean, I know looking at the elevation, which we all know Jack doesn't do that. She doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> she'll, she'll, she'll tell you that. She doesn't work. Yeah. But I know some people do look at the elevation and if you see, and I know me coming, I mean, with New York, it's all, it's all like this. Um, how do you incorporate that into your training so that if it is at the very end, have enough push to keep with, I mean, maybe a negative split or just whatever, you know, that, that race goal that you have. Obviously hill training is the thing to do. Um, you know, hill, hill repeats on a weekly basis. Uh, so that you build that leg strength. Um, there's not a lot you can do about the fact that it's at the end of the race, except during the race, you need to make sure that you are saving energy for the end of the race. Uh, a lot of people will, when they're going into a race, a lot of people talk about banking time. They want to run fast, faster early on so they can bank time toward the end, which is, of course, the, the opposite of a negative split. And I'm really fond uh, of saying that there's you can't bank time, but you can bank energy. And so if you save your energy, if you don't spend all that energy at the beginning of the race, you're going to have something left for that last push. And if you have a race that you know finishes uphill, it behooves you to save some energy for that last bit. Do you push and give it all you got for that last bit? Or do you still like, oh, I'm... I have half a mile of this, so I should conserve whatever. Well, half a mile is a long time. Yeah, half a mile is a long time. I mean, I'm not going to – you you have to know yourself and know how much more energy you've got. But And some of that, you know, if you use a heart rate monitor, you can uh, – if you know where your heart rate zones are, you can kind of uh, tell from that. But I'm, I'm not going to be huffing and puffing in the last, you know – not well with half a mile to go quarter mile to go probably, but I don't want to be huffing and puffing with half a mile to go. Cause I could gas out. I'm going to, I'm going to finish this section here with uh, a couple of questions we get all the time. Sarah asked them, but we get them from a lot of folks. It has to do with the training plan for the marathon weekend. I find it funny. We get these two questions nearly simultaneously. One is, Hey, it's only three days a week. Is that enough? But then the other one that gets piggybacked on this typically is, but do I have to do the 26 miles? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a trade off, guys. That's a trade off. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, that's not really the trade off, but for me, that was, that was what sold me on the Galloway program. Um, when I first started using Jeff's training, actually, it wasn't the walk breaks that, that sold me out. I didn't even, I didn't even realize I was supposed to do walk breaks until the night before the marathon when I heard Jeff talk. Uh, but I still followed his training schedule uh, throughout 1994 when I was training for my second marathon, the second Disney marathon. Um, and the reason I followed it was because I was I was working three jobs. I was in graduate school and I was a newlywed and I had no time for anything. And I remember following the first training schedule that I had followed that I don't even remember who wrote that. But that had me doing a lot more mileage. And I can remember running a 13-mile run on a Wednesday night, and I hated life. I hated life doing a 13-mile run on a Wednesday night after I'd finished my second job. I'm running across campus at Florida State University, seeing my friends camping out for tickets for some football game. And I'm having to do a lousy 13-mile run. And I said, there has to be something better. So I looked at Jeff's schedule. And Jeff's schedule, there's no 13-mile run in the middle of the week. If I could do two 30-minute runs in the middle of the week, I'm okay. And for me, I looked at that and I saw, yeah, Jeff's schedule had me go up to 26. The other schedules only had me go up to 20. But I said, I'm willing to make that trade. I will give you, I will give you one 26-mile run and one 23-mile run. 
and a 120 mile. I'll give you those. And they're a month apart. I'll give you one 20 mile run plus per month to save, to give me back all of those extra hours that I was wasting doing those runs with that other schedule. So that was what sold me. Um, yes, it's true that you, all you need are those 30 minute runs twice a week. Is that all you can do? Heck no. If you want to do more than that, do more than that. If you want to run 45 minutes instead of 30 minutes, great. If you want to run four days instead of two days, great. There's nothing wrong with that. The younger you are, the less rest you need, the fewer rest days you have to have. Doesn't mean you need to run more, but you could. Um, And even as we get older, some of us, frankly, are addicted to running. And we know that we it's where we get our peace. It's it's our alone time or it's our together time with our with our running buddies. And so having a few extra runs a week is just fine. We just want to make sure whatever you're doing during the week, you're not tired going into that long run. Because if you're tired going into that long run, you can get into a lot of trouble. Well, and, and I, I know from experience, the plan is designed so that you're not so tired that the next week's training is jeopardized. Right. Either. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, And that's why when you do get to those long runs, like the 26 mile training run prior to a marathon, uh, you do that at least two minutes per mile slower than race pace. Uh, And if it's a hot day, you do it even slower than that. So, um, and we really do think, we know, it's it's not a think, it's not a belief. We know that that 26 mile training run makes a massive difference for people. If there's a physical difference, uh, you're far less likely to hit the wall. If you have done a 26 mile run in training, the wall is... You know, so many people, they, the longest they run is 20 miles in training, and then they hit the wall at 20 miles. There's not, you know, it doesn't take a genius to know that that's, the, that's as far as your body was prepared to go. So you prepare your body to go 26 miles, it's not going to hit the wall at 26 miles. Um, and then, so that's the physical reason why it's good. But then psychologically, it's massive. You're not asking your body to go farther than it's gone before when you get to that marathon. Um, and there there are other training plans out there and there's one by there's one by a coach that is a big name in the in the in the uh, in the sport and he's a friend of mine and I like him um but he says save those last save that last 10k in the marathon um because that's sacred and you want that to be special on race day well how it is special for a lot of people on race day is that's when they're they're walking and they're hating their lives. Yeah. Um, that's not the yeah. type of special I want race day to be for you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's blizzard beach special is what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. It is the blizzard beach special. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that 20, that 26 mile run is really important. And once in a while I have people that sign up for customized and they say, do I have to do a 26 mile run? I'll say, no, of course you don't have to do that, but I'm going to put it on your schedule because it's best for you. You know, I'm not your mom. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there at the table and watch you until you eat your broccoli. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to tell you that that 26-mile training run is the broccoli that you're supposed to have because it's going to give you what you need to get to the marathon. Uh, it, and you've said you can do that slower than uh two Oh heck yes. Slower. You can do it as you slow as you can walk it. <laughs> you can walk it. You're going to get that same endurance benefit. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it just because I, you have to do it. I, I, I insist that you do it at least two minutes per mile slower than your predicted race pace. But if you're predicted to run a four-hour marathon, and that means nine minutes per mile, and so you're going to do that long run at 11 minutes per mile, if you want to run with a friend who is going to run it at 15 minutes per mile, great, no problem. You want to do it at 16 minutes per mile just to prove to yourself that there's no chance the balloon ladies are going to catch you, fine, nothing wrong with that. Um, so yeah, there's nobody has ever been harmed by going too slow on a long run. You know, when you're out doing your long training runs on the road, Allie, and you run by those signs that say reduce speed ahead or slow down, Chris and Jeff have put those out there. Right. So I have a question about that too. I've heard you can split those long runs, like the 26 miles, like do 13 miles, then take a little break and come back out. Is it's that- not ideal. Um, it's not ideal. Um, there are times when it's necessary to split it up and there's no harm done if it's a short break. Uh, I've definitely told people if they're going to be doing a long run on a hot day, for example, if they start to get overheated and they need to come inside and 
take a shower and change their clothes and they can get back out there an hour later, then yeah, no harm done. You're fine. To me, that that counts. And I think the research shows that that counts still as part of the same training run. But if you want to do 13 miles at 5 a.m. and then you want to go back out at 7 p.m. and do the other 13 miles, no, it's, I'm sorry. It just doesn't count as as the same run. Now, there's a place for that type of running. And, um, and Jack will tell you, uh, training for an ultra, I definitely have people do multiple runs on the same day. And there are times when I may have, uh, I've got some folks that are training for the Keys 100 that's coming up later this month. And this weekend, in fact, is their um, their last tough weekend, and they've got uh, their three three folks that I've got doing the hundred, and their 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 workout this weekend is to do three ten mile runs. And I told them I want this, I want them to separate those runs by at least two hours. So I want them in ultra training. I want them to have that experience of starting a run when they're tired and and getting through that. Um, but training for a marathon uh, or anything shorter. You know, you want to, the goal is to get it all in as one run. If you have to take a break of, you know, an hour or so in the middle of it to, whether it's to, um, let's say, let's say you're doing a 26 mile training run, but you've got a half marathon scheduled that day. You could go, you could run that half marathon, you could drive home. And as long as you're picking up and running the second 13 miles, the rest of that run an hour later, you're fine. That's, that will count as the 26. But you want to run it the next day or you want to run it several hours later, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't do the same thing to your body or to your mind. Yeah, I, I remember the elation. I guess it was, I guess I was training in 18 for Dopey 19 and finishing that last four-day training run weekend and going, I got this. I, yeah, and, that, you yeah. know, yeah. And it still felt great when I did it at Disney World. Because so, when you did that that dopey simulation, you didn't get to make that right turn on Main Street. Right turn on Main, that's right. Plus, I didn't have Greg. Greg was waiting for me at the end of that dopey. There. He had, and he had brunch reservations, so I had to catch, you know, had a time, <laughs> had a time goal. Friends, thanks for submitting all your questions for Coach Twigs. Fact is, we had so many, we're going to divide the interview into two episodes. That was the first half. We'll run the second half next week. And Chris, thanks you for your patience and spending so much time with you, with us. And we'll make sure in this week's show notes, as well as next week's show notes, we'll put links in there in terms of how you can sign up for customized training if you are interested at all. And then also if you're interested in the JG 13.1 and the VIP package that Bob was talking about, and everything like that, uh, you know, we'll be sure to, to throw those in the notes as well, too. Thanks, Greg. And honestly, if you've got questions about the program, send them to us on Facebook. Send them to us on Instagram. We'll give you our honest answers. We're, we're not getting paid for this. It's something we genuinely believe in. All right, Greg, you've got a challenge that you're working up with, a Peloton challenge with our buddy Tom over at the Will Run For podcast. How's that going now? So far, so good. So we started on Sunday. We officially started the Will Rise and Peloton 4 Challenge. So again, uh, just Very recapping nice. that real quick. Uh, Tom and I are going to be dueling it out for the month of May. Whoever logs the most miles on their Peloton bike, uh, the quote unquote loser is going to donate $48.60 uh, to the other person's charity. So uh Tom is running Dopey on behalf of the American Cancer Society, and I am running on behalf of Give Kids the World. So, um, you know, a little friendly competition there. Uh, just a, a note to listeners who you know might want to you know follow along this journey. Clearly, I didn't think this through uh, when <laughs> we made the hashtag that there is a character limit for Peloton. Uh, so, if you search hashtag Will Rise and Peloton Foe. <laughs> uh, that is the official hashtag. So, um, I, I saw a couple of listeners have already been following along and, uh, Tom and I were talking as well too, that 
we will announce, uh, you know, some rides that we might do together, you know, to get the community involved as well, too. So, uh, you know, we're a couple of days into this. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. It's motivating me to get up early each morning uh, to exercise and get that cross training in. So, you know, if you're interested, uh, you know, again, we'll be posting things to the Instagram page and Facebook pages. And I know Tom's going to be doing that over on the Will Run For side as well, too. So a nice little friendly battle uh, to raise money for uh, some worthy causes. I, I know you're not asking for this, and I'm not saying, but I'm in for 26.2 to the winner because I'm running just, just. the marathon. <laughs> so I'm down with that. That'll be great. But I will say, though, I feel like I deserve some extra bonus miles. Yeah. Because when I shared my one workout to our Instagram page, I tagged the instructor, uh, Bradley Rose, uh, because it was a Disney ride. So I'm like, you know, how appropriate uh -huh. to do this. And again, these people are quasi famous in the fitness world. And, you know, they have you know hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. And, oh, all, of a big deal. and all of a sudden I look down, I'm eating dinner and I see that I, ha I have an Instagram notification that Bradley Rose himself replied back to our story and was like, good job, mate. Keep up the good work. And I was like, Holy cow, that's amazing! So hey, I, I, know, I, I know Tom's really jealous of that. So I, I, I deserve some uh, some bonus miles. Yay, Greg! Virtual high five for you. There you go. Thank you. Nicely done. We're proud of you, bro. All right, my friends, it's time for the race report. Last week was a big week. There were a couple of major events going on. Uh, we didn't have people in all of them, but we had them in some. The Broad Street Run was going on in Philadelphia. I, that's the country's largest 10-miler, if not the world's. I'm not sure about that. But I know in past years, it's been the country's largest 10-mile run. Uh, the Flying Pig Weekend was going on in Cincinnati, another great event. We had some folks there. And uh, the Kentucky Derby Marathon was going on up in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't think we had anybody in that, but that's another really nice event. Now, who did we have running last week? Well, in Claremont, Florida, our buddy Margaret ran the Blueberry Run 5K and uh, posted some great pictures. Looking good there, Margaret. Margaret was in the Blueberry spirit. Uh, if you see her photos, you'll know what I, you'll know what I'm talking about. Plus they had blueberry pancakes for breakfast there. That's not a bad thing. That's not that far away. I may have to look into that next year. Um, Joe also got breakfast when he ran the Mains and Miracles Raise the Barn 5K in Fort Smith, Arkansas. He's got some photos up there of a unique battle. He got some breakfast and he was, uh, he was pushing an Ainsley's Angel rider in that event. Tyler ran the Doreen Myers 5K in Woodbine, Georgia, in support of the Safe Harbor Children's Center. Uh, talking about Flying Pig, we had two friends running Flying Pig. Uh, first, Jeff ran what looks like a challenge. He ran the 5K, the 10K, and the half. And Jenna ran the half. I, I'm almost positive I saw Jeff have some pictures on there. I didn't make a note of it. But I'm pretty sure I did. That's that's a neat event. I there's another one I'd like to get to someday. I, I researched that one, you know, after seeing a lot of photos. I, I know there was a, a real big run Disney contingent up there, uh, you know, of followers and and, and listeners and, and such. Um, but what I was really impressed by is they offer all sorts of different challenges, you know, you know, and oh, they, yeah. they, they theme it, you know, whether it's pig themed or because it's Cincinnati, like skyline chili themed as well, too. So there's all sorts of combinations between 5K, 10K, half full. So, um, yeah, it was something that I, I said to my wife that I was I'm very interested in looking at this because in the middles are are really, really cool as well, too. So, yeah, one to keep on the radar for sure. It's a well-known event. And uh I think it's pretty hilly because now I'm trying to remember. I'm almost positive Jeff posted a profile of the hills in the half. And there's a big one in there. So, eh, I'll walk it. Our buddy Jonathan over in Israel in, I don't know, Herz Herzliya, Israel. Jonathan set a, uh, a PR at this distance. Now, he said it was a 10K, but it turned out actually to be a 9.94 kilometer 
run officially. So I know this is Jonathan's 9.94 kilometer PR because I'm pretty sure there are no other runs at that distance. They Apparently the course was, the turnaround point was like 30 meters short of where it should have been. So they missed uh, 60 meters, hence 9.94. Our buddy Christy up in Michigan, not Minnesota, is working on and maybe has finished now the AWSC Shark Challenge. That's a virtual run. She's doing the Mako Shark Challenge, which I have a note here is 26.2 miles. Ruth, Ruth sent some lovely photos from the Vancouver Marathon in Vancouver, Canada. I figured that was a nice run, and it sure looks like it was. Brianna, Brianna was running that Broad Street run in Philadelphia. Brianna put some photos up too. And finally, we heard from Matt. Matt ran the Cookie Crush Half Marathon in Cumming, Georgia. Said it was hilly. But they had cookies at the finish, so it was worthwhile. The Indy Mini Half Marathon in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jeff's doing that one. That's uh, that's another one of those events that's very well known. It's supposed to be a terrific half marathon. I don't know if it starts or finishes with a lap around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but it's in there somewhere. Uh, and then the Donna 5K over in Jacksonville, Florida. Dean and Judy will be running that one. So that's it for this week's race report. And now, drumroll please, we're the part of the program we've been talking about for the last four or five weeks. The moment you've all been waiting for. Okay, friends, here's what we're going to do. First of all, thank you. Thank you again to all of you who took the time to write a review for us. It means a lot to us that you would take out that time and do it. And we genuinely appreciate we take those reviews to heart and where we see something that you like, we try to do more of it. And if there's something you didn't like, we try to fix that too. We'll have to find out who left us the one-star review on Apple, <laughs> but that was a rating, not a review. So we don't know what was going on with that, but that was okay. All right. Here's what we're going to do. John sitting in Northern New Jersey with a spreadsheet with all the names of the people who have put the reviews in. I'm sitting in the Tampa Bay area in Florida with another spreadsheet where I have the command in there to give me a random number between one and 60. So in just a second, I'm going to press the return button. It's going to generate a number. I'll let John know who that is. And John will tell us who our first winner is. Do we have a representative from Price Waterhouse Coopers here on standby? Uh, just in case. <laughs> That Just would be to verify good. the winning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I actually wish there was a way we could uh, record this so people could see what we're doing, but I, you'll have to trust us. We we get nothing out of this except for uh, the loyalty of our listeners, which we appreciate greatly. All right. Three, two, one. The first number is 39. 39. Miss Tracy W., she left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yay, Tracy. Tracy, congratulations. Yay. So, Tracy, you will get your pick of the Chippendale ears or the sparkly mini ears. Um, if you want to know what they look like, make sure you check out our Instagram post because I posted them the other day. Yeah, they're on Facebook also. That was nice. A good picture there. Okay. So we have one winner. I've got it set up again. I'm going to press the enter button in three, two, one. 30. Britt Lynn, our friend from the North Pole. Oh, oh yeah. Man. <laughs> Congratulations to our winners. Again, thanks everyone for entering. All right, Lexi, what do our winners need to do now? Okay, so to our two winners, I need you to message us either on Facebook and a private message or on Instagram and a private message and make sure you send your full name and your address. And I will ship those out just as soon as you send over your addresses. So make sure you send that over by May 20th, just so we make sure that we get them out and get them to you. 
And um, yeah, congrats, guys. Yeah, and, and Lexi, thanks for thanks for making the trip to France just to get the years. Absolutely. It was a real burden of love for this podcast and for the YouTube channel Passport to Run. <laughs> All right, my friends, that was fun. Like I said, we've got the second half of Chris's interview coming up next week. And we've got some other things planned for you in the coming weeks to get you over that period of time between now and to when we seriously start training for uh, the fall and winter events down at Disney World. As always, it's been our pleasure visiting with you. We look forward to talking with you next week. And until then, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer. <laughs>